Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Calvary Bible Church, welcome back to another episode of Beyond Sunday. Pastor Randy, myself, back at it. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a very long episode last week. That's what I Did heard. Did you catch that? Uh, 42 minutes, I think. No way. Yikes. Brutal. Sorry about that. Yeah. Apologies. We're going to keep it short. We're going to at least uh, kind of flip those numbers and be 24 or less. That's the can goal. I can I blame it on the people that took us back two weeks or is that just not allowed? Is that not? <laughs> sure. Go ahead. Do, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> just don't blame it on my jokes. Um, I do have one for you, though. Uh, did you hear about the guy who invented the knock-knock joke? I did not hear about it. No. He won the Nobel Prize. <laughs> that's not good there you go that's uh, excellent excellent thank you thank well you, done thank you. yep appreciate that um i need that encouragement yeah you do. all right so we were in matthew chapter 9 finishing mm-hmm. out matthew 9 mm-hmm. and just before we started recording here we were talking just briefly about where we started in matthew 8 mm-hmm. and so that's kind of like coming off the sermon on the mount you see a number of these miracles, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of one after the other, with not much exception uh, to it. So, we uh, on Sunday covered, mm-hmm. starting in verse eighteen, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of two miracles in that section. Four. Well, the oh, two. Sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, the two, the two ladies, the girl, and the the lady who was bleeding for twelve years. Then the two blind men. So now we're up to four. Yeah, and then uh, the demon. Yeah. Uh, being cast out, yeah, sorry, or sent off. Yeah. So five mm-hmm. miracles, we could say, whatever the case is. We just mm-hmm. got five, and we're in a section here, mm-hmm. and then we really spent a, a bulk of time, the bulk of your time, in those last couple of verses, thirty-six through thirty-eight um, of Matthew, ending chapter nine, which seems to function as like a kind of a pivot point. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be in Matthew ten next week. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're aware of that. But yeah, it seems to kind of be a pivot point for mm-hmm. us between these, what Jesus had been doing, the crowds that were gathering, the reputation that he's getting. And now uh, that really, that section ends with, again, if you are uh, if you weren't with us, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, to I misread that, to send out laborers into his harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Before we get into that, uh, the first section there about all of these miracles, mm-hmm. uh, you asked this question on Sunday. If you were in line waiting to see Jesus, mm-hmm. what would you say? Um, and I think one of your responses was um, that his power is critical for us. So like, if we're finding ourselves in this story in Matthew's gospel, again, what what is it about Jesus's power mm-hmm. and our lives that's critical for our walk day to day. Yeah. Those opening minutes of that sermon were, were devoted to the aspects of faith in the um, in those four miracle stories, everyone exhibits strong faith in Jesus. So they know something about his power. I don't think they necessarily think about his identity as the Son of God yet. I don't think that's fully developed at this point in the story. But for us, it is. So I think the critical matter between uh, you know, his abilities and our faith 
if if he's in Mount Joy today, mm-hmm. then I'd love to be able to go up to him and say, I know you're the son of God. Mm-hmm. You bring the power of the kingdom of God. You're starting to put the fabric of that unraveled fabric uh, fabric back together again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I believe that you can heal my diabetes. Would you take that away, please? I believe you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what I was getting at, too, was not just that, the number of us that would want to go to him with something physical like right. that, but I was thinking about, you know, what what would I believe him to do for me in my spiritual life, my emotional life, and, those, and that type of thing? So... And the reason why that's important for us is because of how critical faith is for the whole thing. Remember, we talked about you get into the you get into the faith family by faith, you know, justified by faith, but mm-hmm. you're also sanctified by faith. In other words, not only your standing before God, but also your ability to live Christ-like, to be transformed in the image of Christ by the Holy Spirit. That's a by faith exercise as well. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hoping is that when you're trying to live out your faith this week. That includes asking Jesus to perform a miracle in you to heal you from, uh, you know, from some of the sins and temptations that you deal with and uh, trust him to do that. So that it's by faith, the just, you know, we, we sort of played with that in the, in the sanctuary, right? The just shall live by faith, it's not mm-hmm. by hard work, it's by faith. And so that is a, that's an important part of living the Christian life. I have to first believe in his ability to save me from sin before I can then go ahead and actually be powerful in temptation. Okay. And save you from sin. Are you talking about like person's salvation? No, practically okay. speaking, the sanctifying part. Okay. Yeah. So with that in view, say that one more time. So God, I believe in the power in Jesus's power to save me from, from a sin. sin. And that faith is critical as the starting point for me to actually defeat temptation and sin. Right. If and I'm going to put sin to death, that's got to be by faith, not by hard effort alone. Right. And so can you flesh out, um, you've quoted this before, the mm-hmm. Scott Haveman. Yeah. Uh, every sin is first and foremost an act of unbelief. Yeah, so, every act of disobedience is first and foremost an act of unbelief. So if you're going to attack okay. disobedience, yep. mm-hmm. start by attacking disbelief first so play that out so if i'm if i'm struggling with anxiety Mm -hmm. uh, if i'm an anxious person today then my anxiety is caused by my lack of faith in one of the one of god's promises that's what scott hafeman does in the little book he links all of the promises of god to some sort of righteous response so if i believe that god promises to take care of me then i shouldn't be anxious about tomorrow something along those lines so if I'm trying to beat anxiety, I should start at the root of unbelief. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that God promised to take care of me. Mm-hmm. He said he would. He said he would meet my needs. He said he would never forsake me, leave me or forsake me, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. there's a way in which you can move, uh, allow your faith journey to be just that. It's a journey where you and I walk with God and we continue to believe more and more of his promises because ultimately, when I when I fall into uh, anxiety mm-hmm. that's sinful, mm-hmm. when I fall into sinful anxiety, I'm actually trusting in something else. Or you could just say, I'm just not trusting in God. 
Mm-hmm. Usually the something else is, I'm so uptight, it must mean that I'm the one actually responsible for taking care of me. I got to fix this. I got to solve this. And I can't seem to figure out how the future is going to unfold. And it all becomes wrapped up in my ability to save myself. So I'm mm-hmm. trusting in myself rather than the promise of God. Yeah. So the passages that we were in, the mm-hmm. ones that miracles that we saw, they were yeah. physical mostly other than mm-hmm. the the blind or i'm sorry other yeah. than the demon oppressed man exactly um so but we know that god doesn't always heal everyone i mean he does not there's people close to jesus who weren't healed um and then so is that a lack of faith or and then you, you i mean you went into a, like mm-hmm. a different type of like example where we would ask jesus to you know, give me faith to not be anxious, but yet we still struggle with anxiety. And God sometimes doesn't provide yeah. in ways that we want him to. Yeah. First, I probably wouldn't ask him to give me faith. I, I probably wouldn't ask for that because he would respond to me and say, no, 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 that I already did that. You have that. The reason why he gives us his promises but it did, and we have, have ears faith. to hear. Well, you could, like he, you could say... He calls us little faith, more. right? You, he says... You, Okay, yeah. so give me more faith. Yeah, you could say that, but then his answer was, no, no, actually, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can do all these things. So it's sure. kind of tricky. It's kind of yeah. tricky when you go to the Bible and say, prove, you know, find a find a chapter and verse like we like to do. Yeah. Find a chapter and verse where we say to God, God, give us more faith. The closest one that I, and, and the one that I like the most is when the guy in Mark's gospel says, I believe Help my unbelief. Okay, well, I can easily imply help my unbelief means give me more faith. Or no, I could actually keep it the way he said it. Help my unbelief. God, would you please attack this this tendency in me to disbelieve you? Mm -hmm. Help me because I'm struggling, something along those lines. Now, back to your other point. The charismatics, uh, let me be careful with this. There's a a wing or an element of charismatic uh, charismatic theology that would say, if you had more faith, you'd be healed. Right. So there is an element of that type of theology in reading the Bible out there. But what we would rather do is say, no, no, the Bible's pretty clear on this. That as you said, Jesus did not heal everybody. Didn't take away Paul's thorn in the he flesh. He did not do that. I mean, and, and even you can go further. He does raise Lazarus from the dead, mm-hmm. but Lazarus is going to die. Again. So yeah. again, there's, there's things that we have to come to the reality. We come to the reality that and I said this on Sunday at least twice, that what we're dealing with is we're dealing with already not yet kingdom theology, which means it's already come in part, Mm -hmm. but it's not complete yet. And so when you see Jesus going about throughout all the cities and villages, that's verse 35, uh, he's not healing every single person on the planet. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of people that are not getting healed. And so uh, the time isn't come yet for that. But there is coming a day when the redemption of our bodies is going to be complete for all those who trust him. Okay. So his power is critical for us, right? That we believe it. Yeah. And that first point, faith in our kingdom's, faith in our king's power. Right. That we believe it. Yeah. Despite whether we are healed or... Or not. Or not. Or not. Uh Because ultimately my hope is not in... Does he heal me from diabetes? Mm-hmm. That's not my ultimate hope. My ultimate hope is when he returns, when he ushers in the kingdom for real, I will be completely healed in his presence, worshiping God forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Okay. So now uh, at this point in the gospel, 
Jesus's reputation seems to be kind of like mm. exploding, especially in that region. Yeah, 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 exactly. So now he's just about to send his mm-hmm. uh, disciples out. Yeah, and he says to them, "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few." Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so let me pause there mm-hmm. and say. Or just ask, what's the difference between a laborer and a non-laborer? Does he have pastors and missionaries in mind here or other disciples like them where it was like that was their mission or is it more general? I think I think at this this first statement, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He knows that at the moment, you know, he just doesn't have enough workers to carry out this plan the way it's going to be carried out. So what right, he's setting... Yeah, what he's setting in motion in verse 37 is he's setting in motion the need that is going to continue until he returns. Mm-hmm. So the laborers are few. This includes, I would say, anybody who's following his commandments, any Christ follower. And you can divide it up and say, well, you've got the apostles, then you've got extra disciples that are along with the, the apostles mm-hmm. in the first century. Mm-hmm. But then you've got very quickly after his ascension, you've got a church that's just exploding, you know, in the mega church in Jerusalem yep. at the beginning of Acts. So you're quickly leaving the realm of just apostles in the book of Acts. And then you're really watching, you know, they choose people to go out. And, you know, some of them are missionaries, but the church is expanding. And all those summary reports in the book of Acts mean there's a whole lot of people getting saved, mm-hmm. which means the harvest is being harvested in the book of Acts, interesting, right? And then you could say on into the New Testament with, you know, Paul and and, uh, Peter uh, writing to all of these churches. Mm. So that harvest is being brought in by by more than just apostles, more than just pastors, more than just missionaries. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So so how concerned should we be about being a laborer Versus a non-laborer. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when I tried to end that thing, I thought, okay, let's make sure, first of all, that we follow that we follow the compassion in verse 36. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really hard. I, It's impossible for me to say I'm a Christ follower and I don't share his compassion for loss. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. So how important is it? It's pretty critical, which is what we talked about. Our priorities should be adjusted when we see his compassion. Yeah, but when I see Christ dying for me, which is how we ended that sermon, that should fuel my love for lost people because of the mercy that I've experienced. From there, how important is it? I think um, I think I need to get in line or I need to be a part of this classroom setting in verse 37 and 38 where I also plead with God, you're the Lord of the harvest. You own the acreage. Please send more workers. The job's too big. I yeah, it's it is important. Now uh, I was I was while well, we were saying to Jordan earlier, you know, the uh, Michelle and I had the privilege of being at the Sittlers uh, with some of the young adults on Sunday night at Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them asked uh, about this text and said, "Well, this is one of those key, um, this is one of those key." missionary conference type texts. I was thinking the same thing. And she said, well, why didn't you tell us that we should go? And I said, because this text tells you to pray. Mm-hmm. But had she said something in church, I would have said, oh yeah, that's a great point because actually it's possible that while the church worldwide is praying, 
you or you or you or you could be an mm-hmm. answer to that prayer. So mm-hmm. there is there is certainly that point mm-hmm. uh, by way of implication. But what I really wanted to do is I wanted to challenge us. The most important thing we can do is ask the one who owns it. Mm-hmm. He's the one in charge of the harvest. So let's keep asking him, send more workers, send more workers, send more workers. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated that exhortation to pray at the end. And I think I'm tracking with you in that going is an implication or an answer to, you know, those prayers. Sure. Um, Could so, very well be. Yeah. And, and I think too, um, getting back to verse 36, if compassion is a part of what's going on inside of us, mm-hmm. that leads us into prayer yep. because it's it's near and dear to our heart. And those are the things we, we bring to the Lord. Oh, yeah. Um, so good. Um, no, I'm... That's good. I'm I'm excellent, out of questions excellent. already. That's great. I don't know how long that's been. Good. Do you have anything else to No, no, there? no. I think that the that whole aspect of, you know, as a faith family, uh continuing to ask the Lord to keep sending workers. Yeah. There's there's places in the world I don't even know that exists mm-hmm. that need the gospel. So I can't even I can't even you know, somebody might say, well, familiarize yourself with the world map more in the unreached people groups. And that's a good thing to do. There's no Mm -hmm. doubt about that. People have done a tremendous job mapping this stuff out. Go into the book room, uh, the translation room at the museum of the, uh, is it museum of the Bible? What's Mm -hmm. it called? Yeah. Museum of the Bible. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Go into that translation room and just look at the, the number of languages that are not, they don't have the Bible translated in their language yet. Mm Pray for that, you know, pray for however you do it. We keep asking the Lord of the harvest to send the workers because we share his heart for the lost. Yeah. Were you mentioning Nepal, a student from I Nepal? I did. I read I read just an excerpt from an email that I got from yeah. Lokendra. I mentioned that because on uh, Sunday, it's the International Day of Prayer for this the coming, Persecuted Church. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to show the video this year, but I'm going to mm-hmm. post it on Realm yeah. uh, just because of some of the content. Yeah. Um, but it's based out of Nepal. So cool. Uh, so you'll see a little bit yeah. of you know the context of Nepal too. Yeah, and I just gave the example again because when he says there's eighty thousand plus villages to be reached, mm-hmm. I mean, the harvest is plentiful, mm-hmm. but the laborers are few. Mm-hmm. <laughs> eighty thousand villages in the mountains. I mean, it's not like yeah, it's not like eighty thousand villages around Pennsylvania where he's nice roads and yeah. cars to get there and phones and all that. We're talking to the Himalayas, mm-hmm. if I have my geography right. Yeah. I may not. Yeah. But that's well, amazing. I mean Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. So now we're heading out into Matthew ten where the apostles are going out. Wow. Yeah. Ready for Sunday? I'm not. Okay. I'm, you well, will I'm be. gonna trust the Lord for it. Yeah, good. The just shall live by faith is Good verse. Yeah, it is. We find it a few places in Scripture. Yeah, we do. It's good. All right, well, we'll cling to that um, and look forward to seeing you on Sunday. If you have any questions, though, about this podcast or really any sermon uh, from a Sunday, please So they could, they could just go back, go back weeks? Sure. Okay. Yeah, preferably right. the most recent, though. Preferably. Right. Yeah. Um, so I cut you off. Keeps it, you know. Send it to Roger Garber at... <laughs> Yeah, Roger Garber. Um, thanks, Randy. Do you want to close this out? I don't because I can't think of it. CBCMJ.something.something. Yeah, email it to podcast or just text Randy and he'll get the question too. No, we love you guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in and we'll see you on Sunday. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship 
beyond Sunday.